Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Thanks for having me this morning. Thank you, Pastor Fabian, Pastor Matt. Such an honor. Um, to all the ladies in the house, if you are called to preach, this is a house that supports that and releases you to teach and to preach the word because um, the Bible says that there is neither male nor female. And so we are called to preach and be released into our calling. And I appreciate the men of God that do that in this house. So thanks for being here. Let's just start with a word of prayer um, before I begin. Father, we just love you and we honor you. Thank you that your presence is already here. Thank you that you are here to meet us, to speak to us, to set us free, to open our eyes to some things that we may be struggling with, and to heal and to restore. I thank you that your presence is here and that every attack of the enemy is broken. And Lord, I just thank you that I'm your mouthpiece. I pray that you would speak through me, give me your words, put a guard over my mouth. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. So this morning, I want to speak to you a message called The Prison Called Shame. I want to talk to you about shame. I want to talk to you about what it is, where it comes from, and most importantly, how we can be free. And immediately, some of you may have thought, right when I said that, you may have thought, oh, this message isn't for me. I don't struggle with shame. And you checked out already. But I promise you, if you will lean into what God has this morning, if you will listen to this word, if you will listen to the word of God and lean in, you may be surprised to find that some of the things that you're struggling f with come from shame, from a deep-seated shame in your soul. But the good news is we're going to talk about this dark, ugly, silent prison of shame, but we're also going to talk about how we can get free from it. We're going to talk about the fact that Jesus has already provided for us to be free from it. We're going to talk about a lot of good news, too. So bear with me. Some of the parts might be uncomfortable. We might talk about a few things that maybe um, prick your heart, but we're going to get through that, and then we're going to talk about the good news that we can be set free. Because I believe with all of my heart that today is a new day for you. I believe that today is a day for you to be set free, for you to walk out of here lighter than you came in. You came in heavy. You came in struggling with something. You came in struggling with insecurity. You came in struggling with maybe some spiritual dryness, but today you're going to walk out free, and you're going to walk out excited about what God has called you to do and your purpose and your, and your calling in life. Amen? <clears throat> so let's begin with Isaiah chapter 54, verse 4. This is my key verse for you today. Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the, sh the shame of your youth or the sorrows of your widowhood. Okay, so what does this mean? I actually had Pastor Matt help me out with this um, when I was preparing. I was reading some commentaries and wanted to understand what this verse means. Isaiah is a, is a messian messianic prophecy, which means that it's prophesying about Jesus. But it's also prophesying to the children of Israel about that Israel had been destroyed. They were left in destruction. They were left in desolation. But then God was promising them that you won't remember that shame, and I'm going to restore and rebuild Israel, which they are living in now. Israel is living in that promise now as its own nation. But if we look specifically at where it says, you will not remember the shame of your youth, that specifically refers to when Israel, when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. You guys know the story, right? You've heard it since you were ch children, that Moses was sent to set the people free, right? And so that is a reference to when they were in slavery in Egypt. Okay, remember that, because I'm going to refer back to that in a minute. Now, the second thing that that verse says is that you will not remember the sorrows of your widowhood. So what does that refer to? That actually refers to, help me out, Pastor Matt. 
That refers to, I forgot, he told me, but then I forgot. That refers to when Babylon destroyed Israel, and Israel was actually, they had left God. They were living in sin. They had abandoned the things that they had been taught. They had abandoned the truth, and they were living in sin. So we have two separate instances here. Now catch this, because the whole message is going to be based on this. Number one, we have Israel who had shame from being in bondage or being in slavery because of Egypt's decisions, right? It wasn't their decision to be in slavery. They didn't say, hey, I'd like to be your slave, right? That was a decision. Someone else's decision had created shame in their life, okay? And then the second one, it was their own sin, their own season of sin and disobedience to God was a source of shame. So shame can come from two different places. It can come from a lot of places, but today we're going to focus on two places that shame can come from. It can come from your own sin and your own mistakes, your own past, or it can come from the decisions of other people. And some of you are sitting in here today and you're like, I don't struggle with shame. I, I know that I'm forgiven. I know I'm the righteousness of God. I've been set free from that. But then maybe you've struggled with shame from the decisions of someone else. Maybe it was the decisions of a spouse. Maybe it was the decisions of a leader or a teacher, or a parent, or maybe it was just a decision of someone else that humiliated you. Vali, if you would, throw up the, um, the definition of shame for me. I'm going to lay a foundation here, and then we're going to talk about this. So what is shame? A powerful emotion caused by something dishonorable, improper, or wrong, done by oneself or by another, a feeling of humiliation. So here we see it again. Humiliation, I mean, shame is from your own decisions of wrongdoing or something dishonorable, improper, or wrong done by someone else. Okay, so let me, let me talk to you a little bit about the symptoms of shame. Let's see, if you struggle with any of these symptoms, pretending, or another word for that is fakery, excessive people-pleasing, that comes from a fear of man and a fear of rejection where you're just so desperate to please people that you feel like you can't even be yourself. Religious talk without fruit. You talk all the, you say all the right things, you quote all the right scriptures, but there's a religious spirit there and there's no fruit. Retreat or running, isolating yourself, hiding. Number five, rebellion. Oh, I'll just do it my way. I'll just do it my way because I'm going to prove to them that I can be okay. I'm going to prove to the whole world, I'm so hurt, I'm so wounded, but I'm going to prove to the world that I can do it. So they do it, you do it your own way. Isolation. Busyness, just staying busy to avoid the feelings of shame. How about depression? Now, obviously, shame is not the only source of depression. It's not the only reason you may struggle with depression, but it is one of the reasons that we struggle with depression. And number nine, spiritual dryness. So maybe, leave those up for just a moment. So maybe you, you're looking at those going, man, I do struggle with some of those. I have felt spiritually dry. I have felt like I'm just staying busy to avoid something. I have felt depressed and don't know why. I have felt like I'm just faking it and I'm just getting through life and pretending. Well, maybe ask God right now. I want you just to quietly ask the Lord. Lord, show me if there's a root of shame. If, show me where it's coming from so that today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, today I can get healed and be free from these things. And this isn't something to make you feel bad or, or condemned or <laughs> ashamed. This is something we want to shine a light on so that then we can get healed from it. Amen? Okay, so we've laid a foundation about what is shame. We've laid a foundation of where it comes from. Um, but we also need to recognize that shame is a prison. And this is it's not, it's not fun to say that 
there's a prison that we may be trapped in. I would much rather come up here this morning and just preach an exciting, pump you up, cheerleader message. It's not fun to sit and receive the truth that shame can be your prison, but it's true. And the truth sets us free. This truth today may be the very thing that sets you free because you may be sitting in a silent prison of shame and not even know it. And the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. I'm going to get into that later, but he's, he's the prison guard. So if shame is a prison, who's the prison guard? The accuser, your enemy. He's standing there, and this is good, you guys, listen to this. He's standing at the gate of your prison. He's standing at the door of your prison, and he's accusing you. He's saying you deserve this prison. He's saying you belong in this prison. He's saying you'll never get out of this prison. He's saying you'll always live this way. You'll always feel this way. You'll never break free. It'll be just like it was in your past. Oh, you feel free right now, but get ready. You're going to go back and feel the way you used to feel. Jesus didn't really save you. Jesus really didn't set you free. What did he say to Adam and Eve in the garden? He said, did God really say? Did God really say don't eat from the tree? And that's what he's saying to you. You're sitting in that prison and he's saying, is God really going to set you free? Is God really who he says he is? Is God really capable of miracles and setting you free and saving you and redeeming you? Is God really capable of healing you of that wound from your past of that person that disappointed you and publicly humiliated you? Your accuser is the prison guard. But the good news is that Jesus holds the keys. You guys, Jesus holds the keys. The Bible says in Revelation that he holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Jesus died on the cross. He went to hell and he took the keys. He came back and he resurrected. He's not still on the cross. He's seated next to the Father holding the keys to your prison. And the beauty of it is, is that we as believers, when we accept Jesus, he hands us the keys and says, I have given you all authority. I have given you all power. Greater things than these will you do in my name. And so you get to stand in that prison. Jesus hands you the keys, and you get to open the prison and walk out and ignore your accuser because that's all he can do. We get so afraid of the enemy. We get so afraid of, of Satan and the enemy and, and the, the, little, the little devil with the pitchfork and the pointy, the pointy horns. We're so afraid of the enemy. But all he can do is accuse you. That's it. All he can do is lie. He's the father of lies, and he's good at it. But if you're not tricked by his lies and if you're not tricked by his accusations, you can live free. You can live healed. You can live in the fullness of the finished work of the cross. So number one is, and you've got to get this, you were created in and for innocence. So much of what's been going on in the world today, the news, the voices that we're hearing, social media, people are trying so desperately to feel innocent. They want to feel free from their shame. They want to feel like they're okay. And so then they, they justify or make laws or ignore scripture in order to justify their sin, or their shame, so that they can feel innocent. We always hear in, in, in modern world today, we always hear, be your authentic self. And I believe in that. Y'all know me. I will keep it real all day long. I do my best. Pastor Matt and I, we try to live that. We try to be real and authentic. 
But here's the truth. Your real authentic self is innocent and pure and holy before God. Live your authentic self and stay in sin, that's not the Bible. Live your authentic self and stay the same, that's not the Bible. People always say, well, Jesus ate with sinners, and he did. Jesus hung out with sinners, and he did. But why did he do that? To draw them to the truth so that they could then follow him. Not so they could stay in the condition that they were in, but because God will always draw us to himself and call us for change and provide for that change. Amen? Amen. Let's look at Genesis 2.25. Now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So there we go. Adam and Eve in the garden, they were, this was at the very beginning when they were created, they felt no shame. This was the perfect relationship with God. There was nothing between them and God. It was perfect, holy communion with God, right? But then what happened? Number two, sin leaves you exposed. So sin entered the garden, right? It's real simple. I just had a memory of Elaine doing a play for her mom way back when in retreats. Was Matt, were you in it too? <laughs> he said, no, thank God. I remember Elaine, she played Eve and she had an apple. You were in it. John? Okay. Well, all I remember is poor Elaine. She had to play Eve and she had to be in like this green, I don't even know what she was wearing and she was holding this big red apple. I just had a memory of that. Thank you, Elaine, for that visual because now I can refer back to it. But Adam and Eve were in the garden, and here they were with this fruit. As soon as she offered it to Adam, as soon as they went, <coughs> do y'all like the sound of a fresh apple? I do. I love that sound of a nice, crisp, fresh apple. <coughs> that doesn't sound like it at all. Matt's better than me at sound effects. <coughs> as soon as they took a bite of that apple, sin entered the world. Sin entered the garden. What is sin? And why is sin such a dirty word? It's like we're not even allowed to say sin anymore in the church. Well, I'm going to say it. Sin is our problem. Sin is the original problem. It is the problem, but man, thank God there's a solution to the problem. Soon as she took a bite, soon as they took a bite, sin entered the world. But the, the, and, and it left them exposed. The Bible says in, Vali, if you'll scoot down to Genesis 3, 6, and 7, the woman, when the woman saw that the fruit I'm so sorry, that's not the right verse. I'm going to just read it. You guys just listen. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. We have to pause there for a minute. We have to be more interested in pleasing God than the things of the world that bring pleasure. We have to be more interested in that close, communion, intimate, clean, pure relationship with God than we are with the things that bring pleasure that are sin. That's what keeps us from sin. Look, having a bunch of rules and regulations and religiosity is not going to keep you from sin. At the end of the day, you're going to end up going for the pleasure, right? But that, let's go back to point number one. That feeling of innocence and purity and holiness that you get in the presence of God, think about that for a second. Imagine yourself in the presence of God and those moments where you felt his presence so heavily that it was holy and it was pure and it was clean. That's, why we, that's what we crave because that's what we were created for. Now imagine that feeling when you walk out of a movie theater and it's like, you should have never been at that movie. And you're like, 
and you're like, I just feel good. I can't sleep. I feel gross. I should have never seen that. I should have never heard that. Those are the two contrasting feelings that we have from the innocence that God created us for and the prison that the enemy wants you in. Okay? So God created us for innocence. Sin took away that innocence. Sin entered the world and free access was lost. And then let me go back to that verse. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And guess what? Adam and Eve ran off and tried to cover themselves, and we've been trying to cover ourselves ever since. We've been trying to cover ourselves with our own strength, with our own ability, with our own mask. We've been putting on everything we can put on to look right and feel right and be right. But the the truth is, the difference in us and Adam and Eve is that we have the finished work of the cross. We have Jesus. All we, Jesus doesn't cover our sins. Jesus takes our sins away. He, he's the Savior who takes our sins away. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. So we're not walking around just with our sins covered. We're walking around with our sins gone. How can that be? I don't know. It's the mystery of the power of the blood of Jesus and the cross, but it's true. So sin entered the world and free access was lost. Sometimes religious pride, bear with me. I've been there. I'm not pointing the finger at you. I've been, I've been right here too. Religious pride tries to cover our shame instead of letting Jesus take our shame. We do our best to maintain a picture of of holiness and righteousness and Christianity, and we talk a good talk, but at the end of the day, we haven't let Jesus do the work in our hearts to free us from that shame. Number three, so we've got innocence. Everybody remember? You were created in innocence. Sin exposed you, left you exposed. And number three, the actions of another may have left you exposed. Okay, I got a funny story to read from the Bible. Y'all bear with me. Some people say the Bible's boring. It is not. I've been reading my one-year Bible lately. I'm like, dude, we could make a series of movies out of this, and they'd be bestsellers. They'd be like top box office releases. All right, let's read 1 Chronicles 19, 1 through 4. Remember the point, right? Other people's actions can cause shame. Sometime after this, oh, Lord, help me with the pronunciations. King Nahash of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanan became king. David said, I am going to show loyalty to Hanan because his father, Nahash, has always been loyal to me. So David sent messengers to express sympathy to Hanan about his father's death. Okay, pause right there. So does everybody follow? King, his dad died. He's, the, he's appointed the new king. David's over here. He's also a king, and he's like, I'm going to send my people. I'm going to go send in good faith. I'm going to go offer my loyalty and offer my condolences. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Haman, I mean of Ammon, the Ammonite commanders said to Hanan, do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No. David has sent them to spy out the land. So they can come in and conquer it. So Hanan seized David's ambassadors and shaved them, cut off their robes at the buttocks, and y'all like how I said that, at the buttocks, and sent them back to David 
in shame. Now look at verse, uh, verse 8, Bali. When David heard about this, he sent Joab and all his warriors to fight them. Okay, y'all, that's a funny story, right? You imagined it, right? You imagine these men going off, they're warriors, they're strong, they're burly, they've got their beards, which was also a, a, um, a very important thing in the culture. You couldn't shave them. So they go off and they present themselves to this king and they're like, hey, we're here to offer our loyalties. We're here in good faith. We're obeying our king. We're doing what he, y'all follow me, catch this. We're doing what our king told us to do. We're being obedient. We're coming here in humility. And then the king didn't believe them, thought that they were spies, shaved their beards, and cut their robes off at the buttocks. <laughs> Talk about being shamed. Okay, you get a visual. So then they ran and they hid. David said, don't come back. This is what David told him. He said, don't come back. Like, I'm protecting you. Don't come back so everybody can't see your shame. Don't come back. It's a seemingly funny story, but does it hit home? Have you ever felt humiliated in your obedience? Have you ever felt like you were doing what you thought was the right thing to do and you felt shamed, disgraced, humiliated? Have you ever done something that you, you were doing it in good faith and in humility and you were reaching out to someone and their response humiliated you and hurt you and shamed you? Sometimes I, I feel like these are equally difficult and troublesome prisons, but sometimes this is the harder one because you're like, I'm in this prison of shame, and I, I, don't, I don't deserve this. I shouldn't even be here. Someone else's crazy actions put me here. And that's the place that Jesus shows up. He still holds the keys to that, too. The good news is that the cross provided the answer to both of these situations. He didn't just provide for your salvation and your healing. He also provided for your emotional healing and your freedom from shame and guilt and disgrace and humiliation. The Bible says that he came to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up the brokenhearted. Some of you are carrying not, not shame from your own sin, but from the choices of others. You feel humiliated in your obedience. It's weighing you down. It's poisoning your relationships. You can't see the goodness of God. You're like, man, I'm trying though, Jen. I'm here every Sunday. I'm lifting my hands in worship. I'm trying to enter in, but I can't quite see the goodness of God. I can't quite feel his presence like I used to. I feel spiritually dead. I, spill, I feel spiritually dry, and I don't know why. I'm doing everything I used to do. Well, are you carrying shame? Are you carrying a hurt? Are you carrying a wound that God wants to heal? Number four. Healing starts with acknowledging. Healing starts with acknowledging. People want to ignore sin and just make it go away. That's not how it works. People want to ignore pain and just make it go. That's not how it works. You got to address something. Doctors know that if you have a wound, imagine if I had a big, open, gaping wound right here. Doctors know that has to be dressed, right? It has to be dealt with. It has to be, has to be cleaned up dressed and cared for and wrapped up properly. If it's not, what happens? It gets infected. It gets worse. Exactly. Ignoring and not acknowledging doesn't leave you in the same condition. Some people think, oh, it's okay. I'll just stay here. I'm just going to ignore it and hope it goes away, and I'll just stay in this. I'll stay right here. It's not true. Ignoring it, ignoring sin, ignoring pain, we're talking about both instances, it doesn't leave you in the same condition. It leaves it 
worse. You end up in a worse state than you were in before. Sepsis is an interesting thing. I watch a lot of doctor shows, so I'm like, oh, I know what sepsis is, but I don't. I had to Google it. I wrote it in my notes. I'm all sepsis, and then I had to look it up. This is crazy. According to the Mayo Clinic, listen to this. Sepsis is a potentially life-threatening condition that occurs when the body's response to infection damages its own tissues. So your body is responding to the infection, and in doing so, it overreacts, and it starts to kill your own tissues, and people die from sepsis. This is how spiritual death happens. It's when there's sin that's not dealt with, and it starts to get infected, and then it starts to attack the other parts of your spirit and the other parts of your soul until you're left in an absolute state of sepsis. Acknowledging that it's there and taking it to the good physician. I love it. I love all the names of God and all the names of Jesus in Scripture because there's something in there that we can all identify with. Jehovah Jireh, like we sang this morning, my provider. The Alpha and the Omega. He was there before it all happened, and he's going to be there after it all happens. That gives me such a sense of stability. But he's also the good physician. And when we take that infection and we take that sin and we take that pain or we take that embarrassment and that humiliation when we take it to him and we say man god i'm not right i don't know what to do about this they cut off my robe at my buttocks and i'm left here embarrassed and shamed but i'm going to bring that to you and one touch in one moment he can heal i'll never forget um i can't matt matt talked me up this morning and everything and 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 I did have the privilege and honor of being raised in a ministry family and doing missions and all these things. I went to a, um, an internship when I was young and got promoted and had great favor, and God's hand was on my life. Um, but then I got into a relationship I never should have been in when I was 19, and I ended up far from God, just like the Israelites, just like we've all been. The Bible says all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so when I drove to Hobbs, I actually drove here with a car full of shame, like loaded to the ceiling with shame, weighed down, heavy, confused, um, frustrated, lost, didn't know what was up and what was down and what was right and what was left. Plus, I was only 20. You don't know much when you're 20, no offense. But I, was, I, was in a, I came here in a car full of shame. But acknowledging that shame, acknowledging that sin, at a retreat in Riadoso one day, coming to the foot of that cross of Jesus at the age of 20, 21, and encountering his forgiveness and encountering his love and encountering his forgiveness literally set me free and opened up that prison so that then for the next 20 years, I could grow and build on that relationship with him that was real, forgiven and clean and back to that place of innocence. So, look, I know we don't want to acknowledge it. I know a lot of people want to skip this step. We, we don't like to acknowledge it because why? The truth hurts. Yeah? The truth, it does. It hurts. It's not fun for somebody to tell us the truth. It's not fun for us to write in our journal the truth of what we're really going through or experiencing. The truth hurts, but it also heals. The truth heals. The tr I go back to it again. The Bible says the truth will set you free. So don't skip. People want to go from, okay, I was created in innocence. Sin brought shame. Other people's actions brought shame. Okay, great. The cross I'm forgiven, it's done. But if we don't pause on that acknowledging sin, it's like I said about Jesus 
eating with sinners. Sure, he did. Grace is there for all of us. Grace is a free gift. But it begins with us acknowledging that we need his grace. If we skip over that part and we're just proud, this is an act of humility. Acknowledging is an act of humility. Acknowledging is an act of, of strength and bravery and courage. It's you coming to the feet of Jesus and saying, I need your grace because I made a mistake. You won't get free if you don't do that step. I promise you. You'll just, you'll just get worse. You might, you might look and sound more religious. You might look and sound better, but you're not better on the inside. You'll just be like, like the Bible describes the Pharisees, perfectly clean on the outside, but full of all kinds of junk on the inside. But that's not what God wants from us, right? For us, he wants the best for us. He wants us to live a life full of joy, purity, waking up in the morning and feeling light and free and purpose and truth. So number five, and this is the last point. The good news is there is a cure. There is a cure to the sickness. There's a cure for the sin. There's a cure even for the shame that someone else brought on your life. I love that in that story about, about the soldiers and their, I just want to keep saying the word, buttocks being exposed. <laughs> I love in that story it says that David got, some, got together his army and he sent them over to fight. And that's what God does for us. That's a picture of what God does for us. You come to Jesus and you're like, man, they humiliated me. They shamed me. I thought I was doing right. I can't get through this. This is heavy. This is awful. And God says, who? <laughs> who shamed you? I didn't shame you. Where are they at? I'll stand up for you. The, the, the Lord of heaven's armies fights for us. You have a protector and a defender who will stand with you and stand for you and fight for you. You don't have to fight for yourself. The battle belongs to the Lord. Okay, so, of course, there's steps, right? There's steps to getting free from our sin. There's steps to getting free from the pain. But you can go through all those steps, but without the power of the cross, you're not going to get free. So, of course, there's steps, but the power of the cross is what sets us free. We can't remove shame or cover it no matter how hard we try in our own strength. I'm not quite ready to turn the lights off yet, guys. Almost. Okay, so listen to this. And listen, and listen carefully. The cross doesn't just cover your shame. It makes you brand new. Brand new. Brand new. Do you believe me? Like, brand new. You don't, you don't get like, you don't get like a band-aid on it. No, the Bible, you become new. You are a new creation. You are a new creature. So first, God's kindness, now bear with me because this is going to lead us to the cross. And at the end of this service, we're going to have an altar call at the cross. And there's going to be healing and freedom and, and joy and, and partying because we're going to be free from all the shame that we've been carrying around that we didn't even know that we had. So first, God's kindness draws us to himself, and it draws us to repentance. Think about, okay, I'm, think, I'm reminded of the woman caught in adultery. Everybody know that story? There was a woman. She was caught in adultery. Um, the religious leaders got her. They brought her before Jesus, and they threw her down. And, you know, they threw her before Jesus, basically like, what are you going to do with this woman? What are you going to do with her? And Jesus got down and wrote in the dirt. And I like to think he wrote in the dirt, well, where's the man? <laughs> but we don't know if he said that or not. So he wrote in the dirt, and then he said, he who has the first stone, 
I mean, he who has no sin cast the first stone. They all left, right? They're like, oh, they all left. So here she was, face to face with Jesus, alone in her shame. They left her alone in her shame. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? And I believe that's what he's saying to us this morning. Where are your accusers? But that's not where he stopped. And so many people quote this verse and they stop right there. What's the next thing that he said? Go and sin no more. See, Jesus draws us to himself in his kindness. And we encounter his love and his kindness. But he draws us to himself. Jesus and God never shame us, but he does call us to change. Every time. Think about the woman who was at the well. Do you guys remember the woman at the well? She encountered Jesus. He told her all about her life, her many, many husbands. The man she was living with wasn't her husband. He revealed her truth to her. And see, that's another thing. Live your truth. Well, don't keep living your truth if your truth is contrary to the Bible and to the Word of God. Live the truth, which is the Word of God. So she encountered her truth, right? She's looking in a mirror. She's looking at Jesus, and he's, like, reflecting her back to him. But he never shamed her, but he did call her to change. And she ran off, and she told all of her friends, come and see the man that told me everything about me. Jesus shouldn't have even been talking to her. Do you all know that? Culturally, he shouldn't have even been talking to her. It was a disgrace that he even was talking to her. But here he was, willing to talk to her, and she ran away and said, come and, and, and meet the man who told me everything about me. And in one conversation, Jesus had led her to change. Because repentance, do you guys know what the word repentance means? Repentance is another word we're not allowed to use in church anymore. We can't say sin, we can't say repentance. I'm going to say them both. What is repentance? The word literally means reversal. Go and sin no more. It's that simple. Vali, would you put that picture up for me? It's that simple. You come to Jesus. You come face to face with him. He draws you with this kind of love. Will you guys turn down the lights for me? He comes with this kind of love. Everybody, don't, nobody moving around, nobody distracted. Just look at the screen for a minute. He comes to you with this kind of love. This is the love that changes us. This kind of love makes you not want to stay in your sin. This kind of love makes you want to say, you can have all of me. You can have every bit of me. You can have my life. You can have my shame. You can have my hurt. You can have my father left me. My mother abandoned me. My friends have left me. My friends haven't stood with me. I obeyed you and I felt humiliated. I personally made a mistake. I sinned against you. And even in my sin, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. While we were yet sinners, he hung on that cross and he said, this kind of love is what changes us. This kind of love is what sets us free. This. Look at it. Don't look at me. Look at it. Look at it. This is where shame ends. Right there.
that's where shame ends. That's where rejection leaves. As we were worshiping, I felt, well, I'll just tell you. Two and a half years ago, I struggled with anxiety and depression and panic attacks. Absolutely debilitating. Completely debilitating. Couldn't do anything. And as we were worshiping, I felt that fear creeping up. It's going to come back. It's going to get you again. Some of you feel that way. I, I felt the Lord allowed me to feel that so that I could tell you right now. Some of you, you've gotten free from addiction and you fear it's going to come back. It's going to get me again. You've gotten free from sexual sin. You've gotten away from your past and your old lifestyle. And the enemy and the accuser is telling you it's going to come back. Look at that picture. That picture right there. That's the answer that says, no, it's not. Because it was taken care of at the cross. It was paid for at the cross. I get to stand before God in the courtroom of heaven, innocent and free, because of the cross. Not because of my own purity or holiness, but because of Jesus. If you would, just stand with me. Thank you, Jesus. I need you to know a truth this morning about God, and that is that he leaves things in good condition. He is a restorer. He doesn't leave you half healed. He doesn't leave you half forgiven. He doesn't leave you half redeemed. He doesn't leave you half right. He leaves things in good condition. The Bible says he is the perfecter of that which concerns us. And I like things to be done perfect. Kind of a perfectionist over here. God is a perfecter of that which concerns you. So maybe there's something right now in your life, and you're like, God, this, this doesn't feel perfect. This, this doesn't feel healed. This doesn't feel right. I, I'm struggling with those symptoms of spiritual dryness. I'm faking. I'm doing my best. I'm getting through life, but something's weighing me down. I'm in a silent prison. And I think it's shame. I think it's embarrassment. I think it's humiliation. I think it's the lies and the accusations of the enemy. And I need to be free. If that's you in this place, for either one of those things, if it's your own sin that's put you in that prison or if it's the sin of someone else, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to just slip up your hand so I can see you. Thank you, Jesus. Freedom from shame. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from humiliation. Freedom from sin. Freedom in Jesus' name. The truth sets us free. We're going to walk out of here today free in Jesus' name. If you lifted your hand, and honestly, it's about 90% of you, come on up to this altar. I'm going to ask Pastor Matt, Pastor Fabian, any of the other leaders in the house that want to pray. We're going to pray over you this morning, and I want you to do this. I'm going to wait till everybody gets up here. Come on up. Come on up, babe. Come on up. In Jesus' name. Freedom today. Healing today. Jesus. This is for leaders. This is for new believers. This is all of us. We've all been there. We're, none of us are on a higher level this morning. This is for all of us. Jesus. Now look at me. We're going to come around and we're going to pray. But I want you to release your faith in that. 
Not in me, not in Matt, not in anything, but in Jesus. Because he's not still on that cross. He died and then he rose again. And we get to live because he paid that price. So when we pray for you, it's just a point of contact. It's just us grabbing your hand and saying, I agree with you that he's the healer. I agree with you that he's removing all that shame. But you've got to believe with us, okay? So when we pray, release your faith. You're going to get healed today. Shame's gone. Humiliation's gone. It's a new day. Look at me. Smile. It's a new day. In Jesus' name.